0: We'll be in Philippians chapter 4 and what we've been talking about the last few weeks is, um, is as we're wrapping up our core team series, our core team season, uh, is, is uh, participation. And so we talked about how we could participate through worship, how we could par- participate through prayer, how we could participate through uh, evangelism, and now we're on how we can participate through giving. And tomorrow or next week Colin's going to wrap up our core team series with participation through serving and that's and then that's that and then we're going to do what i love to do we're going to jump straight into the book of colossians we're going to spend a good deal of time there we're going to go verse by verse until we finish the book or the lord calls us home i don't know but we're going to dive into that thing we're going to we're going to get all the nuggets out of colossians and so that's where we're headed and so the title of this message is called giving and receiving in god's message or giving and receiving in god's mission i apologize and if i had to wrap this sermon up in a sentence it would say, the partnership of giving and receiving is an eternal investment without risk, guarded by God who promises to supply our every need. One more time, the partnership of giving and receiving is an eternal investment without risk, guarded by God who promises to supply our every need. Need now, Paul's letter to the Philippians it overflows with joy and it overflows with thankfulness, and he has many reasons uh, for writing to the church you know, there's a man named Epaphroditus who brought these gifts to Paul. And as he brought these gifts to Paul, he was became very sick and very ill. He almost died along the way. And so Paul wants to write back to the church in Philippi and tell them, hey, uh, Epaphroditus is well. He's not going to die. He's a-okay. I want you guys to be be still in your heart over that. He wants to tell them about his situation in prison, you know, his own house arrest, how Caesar uh, or how, how the, the Roman guards are coming up to him, you know, and they're, they're keeping guard over him. And one by one, one, the lord's just converting them as they come they think they're chained to him but really or he they they think that he's chained to them but really they're chained to him and they're not getting away until they get saved you know and he preaches again or in this in this letter he's he's talking about his contentment you know it's where we get our famous verse that everybody likes to take out of context i can do all things through christ who strengthens me it doesn't belong on a nike logo it doesn't belong for football or any of that stuff it's talking about true commi- uh, contentment and there's many other themes but one of the major reasons that Paul has for writing this book of Philippians is it, it, to, to thank them for their giving, to thank them for their participation in receiving and giving, and, and to thank them and, and tell them that their sacrifice would not go unnoticed. And so in this section of this book we're going to be looking at today, we're going to discover an amazing example of partnership in the gospel. We'll learn that giving is actually an investment, so giving away is actually storing up, and we'll experience that true sacrificial offering found by the Philippians. And and finally, we'll witness that the providence of God is put on display and a promise that he will supply our every need according to his riches and glory in Christ. And so if you found your way to Philippians in chapter four, please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. And Philippians in chapter four, beginning in verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You can have a seat. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. God, we honor you this morning and we're thankful that you've called us here to this place and Father, I thank you for this team that's come to serve with Waymaker and Freeway and, and, and they've taken time out of their morning to come and be with us and sit and, and hear your, your word preached. And Father, I just pray that you would bless them um, for their, their willingness to come to Omaha, Nebraska and serve. And Father God, I pray uh, that you would get me out of the way and that your word would speak this morning, that each and every single one of us would leave here different, that we wouldn't leave here the same, but in fact, we would have been impacted by your word and by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen so i like how he starts this whole thing off here in verse 14 yet it was kind of you to share my trouble so our first point the partnership of giving and receiving verses 15 and 16 is is where we'll be looking at in that but As I mentioned in the introduction, one of Paul's major reasons for writing this letter to the Philippians is to make it clear that he isn't overlooking or that he isn't minimizing their generosity towards him. And to be sure that he executes this purpose of of that in writing this letter, Paul brings up some very fond memories of the church and their partnership with them. The first place that Paul formally preached the gospel as a missionary sent out by the church in Antioch was actually Philippi, and so we see that in Acts chapter sixteen, Paul comes into Philippi, and you know they go and they go to the riverside, they find Lydia, right, and the church is birthed right there with Lydia and some other women, and then the 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 Philippian jailer, they have that great awesome moment, right, the jailer gets saved and his whole family and, and everything else. So that's the birth of the church in Philippi, and so he kind of brings this up, right, uh, as a as a reminder as a memory. And that they were and they were the only church who supported him at that time through giving. And Paul also mentions that while he was in Thessalonica, you know, and I shared that with you guys a couple weeks ago when we were talking about prayer, how that church was birthed in persecution, right? When Paul stepped on the scene, they were angry about it, and they came and they flooded um, um, uh, Jason's house, and they brought them out, and they brought him before the magistrates like it was crazy. Paul had to flee and go somewhere else. Well, while he was there, this church in Philippi sent, uh, sent him gifts and sent him aid, not once, but twice, and so this church in Philippi has proven to be a faithful supporter of Paul and a faithful supporter of his missionary journeys. But the, the church in Philippi is, is much more than just donors, right? The, the church in Philippi is much more than just patrons. The church in Philippi is much more than just a bunch of people who tithe. Paul says that this church entered into partnership with him in giving And receiving, and so these words—partnership, giving, receiving—they're all banking terms. They're financial terms. They're business terms. So, and you'll you'll see him mention this all the way through to uh, to verse twenty, or verse uh, verse nineteen. These are all um, kind of business terms, meaning that that through their generosity. The Philippians shared with Paul in his ministry. They took part in this business, in a sense, in this ministry with Paul. And, and Paul is giving his life, so this, this ministry of giving and receiving this partnership, you've got to think of it like this. Paul's giving his life, his very life, to bring the gospel to the edges of the world. And in turn, by the grace of God and the kindness of the church in Philippi, he's also receiving from them a blessing, taking care of his needs. Not his every greed, but his needs. And likewise the Philippian church gives to Paul and in turn receives from God blessing, right? And together they are in partnership with one another in the partnership of giving and receiving. See, the church in Philippi wasn't a huge and wealthy church. The, perhaps maybe they looked a lot like us on a typical sun, Sunday morning, just a, a few people here in the pews. And, you know, we don't have a lot of money, but by golly, we've never wanted for anything, right? We've, he's always taken care of every one of our needs. If we needed a new sign, if we, if we needed uh, to buy pizzas for this outreach, or if we needed anything at all, like God's always given it to us. He's taken care of our every single need. And so maybe they looked a lot like us. You know, they didn't have much, and let me put this into perspective about what the church in Philippi looked like. In Second Corinthians, in chapter 8, in verses 1 through 5, Paul says this, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, Philippi, uh, for in a severe test of affliction, listen this, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I need to read that again. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So they didn't have much. They didn't have much at all, but they had a burden, right? They had a burden, and they had a burden to give relief to the saints. They had a burden to help further the gospel, right? They had a burden to help any way that they could, and they did that out of their poverty. The church of Philippi was experiencing extreme poverty, but even in the current state that they were in, they decided on their own accord to be obedient to the calling that God had put on their heart and in their lives and to enter into partnership with Paul and to take part in the relief of the saints. Isn't that amazing? Like, their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, giving beyond their means, begging earnestly to be in partnership uh, in giving and receiving with Paul and the other saints. These folks in in Philippi, they they had a burden to take part in advancing the gospel through giving. Let me ask this question. How is it, and, and by what means, does God take the gospel to the ends of the world? By what means is God going to take the gospel um, to Africa? By what means is he going to take the gospel to Iceland? By what means is he going to take the gospel to the city of Omaha? By what means is he going to do that? How does Paul do it? Or how does, how does God do it? Well, you've got to think about the ministry of Paul, right? Paul was a missionary, right, sent out by the church in Antioch. In Acts chapter 13, I think is where that was. Him and Barnabas were sent out. And what does Paul do every time that we see him in the book of Acts. We see him step on the scene, we see him enter into a city, and what's he do? He first engages the city, he starts preaching the gospel. Maybe he finds a need and, and he, he steps into that. So he engages the city, he preaches the gospel, and this is what they teach us at the North American Mission Board. It's really, it's really good missiology, but he comes in, engages the city, he preaches the gospel, and then he makes disciples, he plants a church, he raises up leaders, and he moves on to the next one. And he goes from place to place to place doing it, whether he's there for a few months, a few weeks, or a few years even, this is the strategy of God to reach the God or to reach the ends of the world with the gospel, this is God's strategy to take it to the nations. It's primarily through church planting. Paul was a missionary church planter, going from place to place, engaging the city, making disciples, planting a church, going on to the next one, and sometimes he would even write back and say, "Hey Titus, I left you there for this reason: Le- establish what was lacking, raise up leaders." Right. So this church in Philippi joined God in the mission of taking the gospel to the nations through their partnership with Paul through giving and receiving. You know, Paul was a tent maker, and I'll get into this a little bit more. He wasn't, and he writes in 2 Thessalonians that, hey, whoever don't work, don't eat, right? So he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He wasn't afraid to work. And in fact, in 1 Thessalonians, he even says, hey, I I didn't burden any of you guys when I came to you. In fact, I, I, I worked with my own hands, so I didn't have to burden you guys when I preached the gospel. He was willing to work. But think about how awesome it is for Paul to have a lot of stress taken off his back, to be able to focus primarily on the preaching of the gospel from going place to place through an awesome giving uh, and ministry like that of the church in Philippi. And so isn't that pretty sweet? Like here at Imago Day in this church, we're smack dab in the middle of God's will for us in our lives, right? We're smack dab in the middle of what God's missiology is to take the gospel to the nations. We're right in the center of it. We're doing exactly what God's called us to do. And so through your partnership, through our partnership in giving and receiving, uh, you're making it possible for us as a church to engage the city with the gospel, to make disciples and to plant this church and Lord willing many other churches to come, right? So just as Paul wanted the church in Philippi to know, I want us to know as well, and our second point, that giving is an investment. There in verse seventeen, we see him say, uh, sorry, I lost my, my track there. Verse seventeen we see him say, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And so giving is an investment. So some people, when they get a large sum of money, what do they do? They take it, and Paul tried to sell me on these CDs one time while we were in in the joint together. He was talking to me how I need to invest my money, and I don't even know, certificate of deposit? Is that what a CD stands for? Something like, he's talking about investing your money in these things because the the, the percentage is up. I don't even think he knew what he was talking about. You got any CDs right now? (laughs) 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 No. See, but he he was talking about investing. So what you do is you take a lump sum of money or you take some money that you have and you put it into an account and then that account, people use it, it builds interest over time and whatever, so on and so forth. And so for me, like I have a retirement account through Guidestone Ministry. And so what I do, I don't take much. I take, you know, maybe a hundred bucks a month and I put it in there. And and Lord willing, at the end of maybe when I retire at 50 or 60 years old or when they remove me from the pulpit because I can't think straight and don't just keep talking, you know, somewhere else, what what will happen is I won't only get just the money that I've put in there, $100 a month for 20 years or whatever, I'll actually get more because that investment has has accrued interest, right? And it's, and it's gained even more. And so that's much like what we're doing when we give to the mission of God. See, the church in Philippi, whether they knew it or not, was actually investing through their giving. The church was investing in the kingdom of God, advancing the gospel to the whole world through their giving to Paul. So in their material investment, the interest that they accrued was actually spiritual to their account. And so that's what Paul's saying. Not that I seek the gift, you know, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He's talking about interest, banking terms. So, Paul's saying, I by no means am am seeking any kind of profit. I by no means am seeking any kind of gain on my behalf that would make me fat and happy. You know, I by no means um, want you to give to me so I can have a nice boat on the port of Corinth. You know, I by no means want you to give to me so I can have a nice vacation home in Jerusalem that I can go to once a year on Passover. You know, I by no means want you to give to me so I can sail to Spain and have the nicest food and, and just enjoy luxury. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying, I want a huge salary and a nice chariot and a beautiful horse. What he's saying is, what I seek in regards to your generous giving is for you, Philippian church, to receive interest in your account for furthering the gospel by partnering with us. He says, I don't want the gain. I want you to have the gain. He wants them to gain more than what they started with through their giving. And Paul's desire is that the interest accrued by their giving would result in their spiritual growth and eternal blessing from God. Not that it would lie in his pockets. And maybe you say, you know, I have a hard time with pastors getting any kind of money. You know, I, I think the church is dishonest. You know, why, why don't they pay taxes? I don't think we need to give to the church. Maybe you say all these different things, why pastors shouldn't get paid or anything else. And I want you to understand, like, you need to understand who this statement is coming from. This is Paul. And I've repeated, I'll repeat myself again just so you get the point. But this is Paul. And in this passage of Scripture, he's been communicating very heavily Just how content he is with or without particular amenities and supplies. He's content. And this is Paul, who when he was in Thessalonica, worked as a tent maker, not to be a burden to anyone while he preached the gospel among them. This is Paul who said, as long as I have food and clothing, I'm okay. This is Paul who warned Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, this is Paul who in this very letter and in this very chapter wrote, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is Paul saying this, man. So he's okay with not getting rich. This is Paul. He's not a prosperity preacher. He's not a get rich quick televangelist. He ain't no Kenneth Copeland, right? This is Paul. And Paul's a man who's learned to be content in all circumstances. in his true heart in regards to the generosity of the Philippian church, is that they would receive the fruit that increases to their credit. They would gain interest. He wanted them to gain spiritual interest from their material investment in God's work. He wasn't seeking to gain anything, only that they would grow and be rewarded by God. His heart for these churches that he's working with is their spiritual maturity. His heart for these churches that he's working with is that they would grow into the image of God, much like our mission statement. And I hope it's true of me as your pastor. not saying that it isn't true, but what I am saying is that I hope that you see this in me, that I'm not seeking personal gain from what you guys give or anything like that, but, th- but that I'm seeking an increase to your own account through the in- your investment in God's work. I'm not seeking to line my pockets. I'm not seeking to, to have a, a vacation home somewhere else or a, a jet plane or any of these things, but I want to see you grow spiritually and be rewarded by God and how you partner with our church financially in God's mission and so that's my heart and I hope and I hope that you guys see it that it's a lot of the same as Paul's there and and I want you to know like so much of church planting involves recruiting. Like, when you're going to go and and start a church, like, you see Paul do it in the book of Romans. He's writing to the Romans and saying, like, hey, I hope that I can get some aid from you guys, right? Like, we can exchange some spiritual gifts, so that way when I get to, I can get to Spain and plant a church there, more or less, is what he's saying. And so, so much of it involves recruiting, you know, recruiting people to pray, recruiting people to join, recruiting people to serve, recruiting people to give, even. You know, Naomi and I have spent a few years traveling, you know, back and forth to Missouri, uh, meeting with different people, meeting with different churches, asking churches, asking people and businesses even to get involved with planting Amago Day, and, and through your partnership, man, and through the partnership of, of the churches, through your partnership of giving and receiving, we've been able to raise over $73,000 a year on average so far, man. And that's awesome, dude. Like I can remember when Naomi and I started and, and the very first people that we asked and we said, hey, would you guys help us to be church planters, you know? And they're like, well, what are you asking for? $200 a month. That's all we're asking for. You know, if you come alongside us and help us with $200 a month, we sat in Ben and Amanda's living room. They're like, we'll help you guys. You know what I'm saying? And and it just, and it happened that way. And so it started with $200 a month. And next thing you know, like, look what God has done through the partnership of churches and through the partnership of people. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And so we do have a goal, what we're trying to reach. We do have an operating budget. But to force anybody's hand, that's not what we're doing. And said, we're inviting people into partnership of giving and receiving. We're inviting you all in to participate. So just as God has invited the Philippian church into the advancement of the gospel, God is inviting us all into investing in his kingdom work as well. See, Paul's ministry was that of a missionary, like I said, taking the gospel to the nations. And we know that that's God's strategy to reach the nations. It's through church planting. So, and I want to tell you guys that that your giving not only helps us as a church accomplish what God has called us to do here in Omaha, Nebraska, but a portion of your giving to Imago Day is sent out uh, as a church to something called the Cooperative Program. And so as Southern Baptists, we work together with other Southern Baptist churches with this thing called the Cooperative Program where we pool our money together and it goes to missionaries overseas. It goes to church planters in the state. It goes to seminaries, Midwestern. Southern Seminary, Southeast Seminary, all these other churches, I mean, uh, schools and things like that to accomplish the mission of God in unity. And so we have thousands of Southern Baptist churches working together, giving our money together away so it would inf- impact churches like this one right here in Omaha, Nebraska. So 6% of what you give, 6% of our giving total as a church is what we give to the cooperative program. So you think about it every time if you, if you give 100 bucks. of that is going to go around the world. It's amazing to think $6 of that is going to go around the world. And so your giving not only helps us here in Omaha, Nebraska, but like I said, portions of it go to Kenya. It goes to Russia. It goes to India. It goes to SBC education and seminaries. It really helps people like Naomi and I make it on the mission field. So as we give materially, we invest spiritually. As we give materially, we invest in the advancement of the kingdom of God, both here and across the world. And as we give materially, we store our treasures in heaven. So maybe you say, hey, I'm unable to give because, you know, uh, the bills are tight, you know. Hey, I'm I'm unable to give because I suck at saving money, you know. Hey, I'm unable to give because if I give, then I'm not going to be able to buy that four-wheeler that I want, you know. Hey, if I give, then I won't be able to get my nails done. If I give, I won't be able, if I, if, 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 if. Maybe that's what you're saying this morning, but I want to remind us all that giving is worship, right? And worship is sacrifice. And that God calls us in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9 to give with what you've decided already in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that giving is worship, and worship is sacrifice, and a proper sacrifice is rewarded by God. And such is the case with the Philippian church. And they set an example for us in our very last point. Giving is a sacrifice that is rewarded. And Paul says in verse 18, I have received a full payment and more, more business terms. As as if, you know, they, they paid well above anything that Paul could have ever imagined. And not that the Philippian church owed Paul anything, but if they did, they paid it back a hundredfold, right? He says, I have received full payment and more. Like, who does that? If I owe Paul 100 bucks, do I give Paul 150 bucks? No, I'm not going to do that, man. You're lucky if you get 90 bucks, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'll give you your 100 bucks back. But that's how we seem to do it, right? If we owe money, we, we make sure we pay to the penny. We don't want to pay. Oh, why were we just going to give our money away? Well, he says that I've received full payment and more. The gifts that was bought by, was brought, uh, by Epaphroditus, you guys remember, he, he almost died on the way there to Paul. Epaphroditus was willing to give more than just something out of his pocket or give more than just some bread that he made or give more than some medicine that he made or whatever it was that they were giving. He was willing to give more. He was willing to give his life and lay it down on the line to take these gifts to Paul in Philippi, to, or yeah, take this gift to Paul in the church in Rome or in the prison in Rome so that they could further the gospel. So remember the severity of poverty that the Philippian church was in. They gave so much, and, and even in their poverty well beyond their means, willing to die to deliver this investment to God's kingdom. And so with all of this in mind, Paul's willing to say there in verse 18, this offering is a fragrant offering. It smells good to God. A sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. So because the Philippian church gave so abundantly, well beyond their means, with a cheerful heart, begging to be in partnership in the ministry of giving and receiving, thankful to be able to further the gospel, their offering, their sacrifice would not go unnoticed as it was well-pleasing to God. It was a sacrificial offering that would be rewarded. Remember that Paul, while he was content, he doesn't have anything to pay the Philippian church back with, right? I mean, Paul's living on what God gives him through the means of the church and everything else, but he doesn't have anything to pay these people back with. And so he gives the charge to God, right? As God's the only one in the position to be able to reimburse his partners in giving and receiving. In verse 19, it really proves that the Philippian church didn't have much. And since they gave with all that they had, Paul knew that they had needs that needed to be met. In verse 19, it says that, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and the glory of Jesus Christ. How's Paul able to say that so confidently? How is he able to promise this? How is he able to say to the Philippians that God's going to take care of you because of your abundant giving? Paul can say this because he knows it because he lives it absolutely every single day. God supplies his every need as he gives his life generously to the mission of God in order to take the gospel to the nations. And Paul wants and Paul knows just firsthand just how rich God is, man, in supplying his every need. And it's true. Right, we who share generously with others, especially to advance the work of the Lord, are promised a divine supply of any need that we might lack into our generous giving. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And Matthew 5.7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He feeds the sparrows, right? He clothes the lilies. He cares for humanity in his common grace. How much more do you not think that he will supply your every need, Christian, as you give to him in partnership in the gospel ministries? Guys, we'd be fools. And we'd be struggling in regards to faith to believe that that God wouldn't supply our every need as we give generously to his mission. And I want you to know this. The text doesn't say that God will supply your every greed. It doesn't say that if you give this hundred dollars, there's going to be a brand new Lamborghini out there in the parking lot. Contrary to what some preachers preach, it doesn't say that. It says that he'll supply your every needs. And some preachers preach that if you give a dollar, you'll reap a hundred. And some preachers preach that if you give a car, you'll get a jet. And some preachers preach this message, and they say even if if you don't do this, it's going to be because you don't have enough faith if if you don't get this back. And this is contrary to the truth of Scripture see, God promises to liberally supply the needs of those who give and share. He doesn't promise to supply the greed. And I'm getting ready to close here, guys, so just hang on by the seat of your pants. Since I've been a Christian, God has never failed to take care of me. From day one in Fulton, in a prison, he's never failed to take care of me. My every single need. I've never been hungry. I've never never missed a payment on a bill right? Like I've always at least had the means to be able to take care of it. And, and he provides in the strangest of ways. And sometimes that's through work, right? Like I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling on bills this month and he'll give me another job, right? Like he's always provided for me. Uh, Lord, I'm struggling with being able to put food on the table this month. Dave Hoffman will call me and say, hey, we got a whole bunch of food from the food bank this week. Do you want some? It's insane how it works. Every single time I've heard, I've heard stories from pastors say, man, I, I was struggling to feed my family. they was he was a chaplain in germany man and he said i'm struggling to feed my family and i'm sitting there praying to god at the kitchen table that morning and i hear and then he goes outside and there's food on the front porch in a basket from somebody from the church you know like how you can't make that stuff up god will supply your every need not your every greed and so i want to ask these questions you know where are you in your partnership with the mago day through giving and receiving is your offering sacrificial and is it pleasing to god and ask yourself these real questions. Why is it that you give? What are you giving for? Are you giving with a cheerful heart? Do you look at giving as an investment? Do you trust God to take care of your needs as you give? And I get it. At times, you know, times can be tough. Money can be tight. Bills can be heavy. But through your continual giving to the mission of God, you are investing spiritually and God is growing your faith each time as you trust him. As we give to God's mission, trust that He will supply your every single need, and trust that He will supply your every need as you join in partnership with giving and receiving through with Amago Day. Trust as you lay it all on the line, putting your heart, mind, and soul into planting this church more than just your finances, but your effort and your time, and your energy, and who you are. Trust that God will provide for you. I want you to know, Church. I want you to understand that we're right smack dab in the middle of God's will planting Imago Day here in Omaha, Nebraska. This is how he reaches the nations. This is the mission that God has in mind as we take the gospel to Omaha. The glorious news that Jesus Christ came and that he lived a sinless, perfect life and that he died in our place on a bloody cross, taking on our iniquity, taking on our sin and giving us his righteousness so that we might have eternal life with him in heaven. This is the glorious gospel that we preach in which people are saved. And so, so what Warren we wrote, the Lord keeps the books and will never fail to pay one spiritual dividend. That church is poor that fails to share materially with others. So may we be a church who is rich in our generosity and willingness to partner with God in the ministry of the gospel. And may we be a church who, who trusts God to supply our every need as we give liberally to his mission. The partnership of giving and receiving is an eternal investment without risk, guarded by God who promises to supply our every need. So let's pray. And as we get ready to pray, Colin's going to play a song softly. And I just want to, I might offer a few prompts out there as we pray. Something that we've uh, talked about over the last few weeks even, as we've thought about our participation, just as a way of a recap to bring it fresh to our mind. And so as we pray, I want you guys to think, last Tuesday I, I gave us homework. And I asked you guys to write down two people, right? Two people that you can share the gospel with. Uh, two people that, that, that you could invite to church on our opening day on February 4th. Two people. So think about that, guys. And, and pray for those people now. And use this prompt. God, we pray that you would give us the boldness to be able to share the gospel with blank. God, that you would appoint the time and the place to be able to share the gospel with blank, whoever that is. Fill in the blank and spend time praying for that person now. God, I pray that you would hear hear our cries and our pleas for mercy in the life of those that we're praying for. God, I pray that you would be gracious to us to allow us to see a victory as we labor in prayer and labor in evangelism to see uh, this one or two people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray that you would, would give us a victory and allow us to see that. Father, we pray that you would save these folks From the depths of hell that they're in, save these folks from the depths of sin that they're entangled in, save these folks from your wrath, O God. Bring them into a right relationship with you through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Father God, I ask that each one of these folks here in this church this morning would take the gospel to the nations in whatever capacity and whatever way that you've called them to, that we would all either preach the gospel, that we'd all give, To aid in your gospel ministry that we'd all pray for the gospel to abound here in this city that we would all encourage one another that we would all serve to make this thing happen so god i just ask for you to renew the spirit of those folks that are here in this place this morning who might be feeling down who might be dragging to try to make it who might be hurting god who might be exhausted from this work of ministry I pray, God, that you would strengthen their feeble arms, or lift up their feeble arms and strengthen their spirit, God. Help us to remember the gospel because we need the gospel every single day. We pray these things in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. And so with that, I'll just go ahead and go straight into our announcements so we can get on out of here. Uh, This week, we have our, um, our Bible study, our Lighthouse. I think is oh wait, this is the first one. Download the church app. If you ain't got the church app, you can download it right here. It'll have links to our sermons, other things in there as well. Um yeah, so get that if you don't have it. The next Lighthouse meeting is gonna be at our house at six PM. So please come, the weather should be good. So you can give either in the back of the sanctuary in that black box or you can scan this QR code and give online. And and then remember our grand opening, guys. I challenge you guys, you know, last week you invited two people, or maybe you're praying about those two people please keep inviting. Please keep, use this as an opportunity, God, our guys, to to bring folks into this ministry, bring folks into the church. Um, Other than that, I think think that's all we've got. So with that, I pray that you guys would be blessed and that you'd go in peace. See you.